And hello, everybody. Welcome to Narrative Live on a Thursday night, a very special edition. Hi, Eric Garland. How are you tonight? Dev, how's it going? I am at what might be my breaking point with everything. I got to say, I've had quite a little few days, quite interesting few days, and I have, I'm tasting the end of the season, maybe even the end of narrative, because I just feel so, so demoralized with some of the stuff that keeps coming up. On the other hand, it's great to see you. I, it's always good to see you, and it's good to see everyone at home joining us tonight. And we'll do this for an hour, and then we'll do another half hour if anyone wants to stick around on a special members edition. We've got Elon Musk unmasked, and he's already thrown the show off so, off his <laughs> networks. I don't know. It's like part, you well, have a party have without that. him. He should have done that. You know, it's gonna there's, be a lot, there's a lot of things the guy shouldn't do. Where do you start? Uh, I went through a chronology of the events that have happened to you and me over the last few years related to all the people related to Elon Musk and Rupert Murdoch and company. It's quite an interesting timeline I'm going to share with you later on. It may, in fact, make you a little, I don't know what it will make you, made me upset. It made me really upset when I realized the amount of operations that have been run against narrative in the last few years that have been really beyond reasonable, certainly not American, certainly not in defense of anything American, certainly not in defense of any notion of freedom of speech or anything like that. I get that we're in information war, but you and I have been victims of a lot and continue to be victims of a lot. And I'm not one to be out there crying out, hey, I'm the victim. But in this case, there's a lot of victimization happening here and a lot of um, people trying to get us off, off the air, trying to intimidate us, trying to destroy our lives, trying to destroy our careers. And the reason behind this is really that they don't want, it's not personal. I hope it's not personal, but it probably is not personal. It's probably just because we have been the only ones consistently telling the truth since 2016. There has been, there are no two other people who were out any earlier than we were. You certainly at first, and then I was soon after that. We, in December 2016, we started saying there is something deeply wrong with what is happening in America right now. And, uh, and then for the last, I can't believe it's actually been seven years, but it's been seven years. You and I have been detailing. It, it uh, feels like seven years. So, like longer. sure. You and I have been detailing in great detail what's been going on. And there is an attack on America like we've never seen before, an existential threat to America. That an attack is, on democracy. Yes, on what America stands for, I should say. The ideals that America stands Absolutely. for, which includes things like, which I hold charity yeah. and having grown up in, a, in an autocracy like South Africa, I value the things that America brings to the world enormously. I value the notion of freedom of speech, freedom of association, freedom of doing whatever the fuck you want, really, because as long as you're not hurting anybody, that's what I spent half my life moving to America to because of. I didn't have that growing up. That's what I needed and that's what I wanted. And that's why I moved half around the world to get to America. And to find America not only under attack and to find those values under consistent and attack as they are right now by so many nations around the world, by so many networks around the world, by so many powerful forces around the world, it's really easy to get demoralized. And I, and I worry that people aren't really aware of what's going on. They're just going with the flow. And this is not a time to go with the flow. This is a time when you realize that your way of life, your existence, the way you've been, everything about your, everything you've known is at risk. And, and that is not an overstatement. That is exactly what is going on. This everything that in your way of life is currently at risk. And has been for a while. And when I did the first, my first major thread in December of 2016, I end with a lot of American ideals platitudes, maybe platitudes, but I talk about the ideals that America stands for. And I think if you really understand and love America, as I do, being a native born American whose family turned up in 1600s in Massachusetts and helped chart New Hampshire and stuff like that. We've been around for a while and I've never lived anywhere else. But if you really know America, you know that nobody's ever lived, like we're based on values nobody's ever really lived up to. And that the guys who wrote the most soaring language in the foundational documents were a small group of slave owners mm. who mostly wanted to protect their interests from abuse by the British crown. And that they did not have for their intent to, for everybody to live in freedom. That, that Those were certainly the words of Thomas Jefferson. But it's very interesting. You look at the historical relationship between France and the United States, where you had English and French philosophers that were, of course, the basis of a lot of intellectual life in the United States, and particularly the French and the British colonists cross-fed each other these notions of freedom. And what's hilarious is that a lot of the American notions of freedom are a French intelligence operation. 
where is that right? the, <laughs> oh absolutely who do you think st- i mean they yeah we, it's not thought of that way right but who was running mr jefferson there who had the biggest influence over them he liked france quite a bit but the, there's no question this is not conspiratorial at all france was celebrating and financing the popularization of american radical philosophers like tom Paine and franklin jefferson and these guys they were diplomats to that country and the french aristocracy of course these guys send us we've all seen hamilton sent us guns and ships and the marquis de lafayette all that we could not have pulled off america without france and they were very crafty about it and so were we and what was in what's also by the wealthy the people of britain isn't that also that the wealthy people of britain also supplied a lot of the weapons and the uh, and the food supplies and that in some ways uncle sam was a bit of a mirage created by the brits when you look at the amount of power that the empire of britain could project in different parts of the world versus the farmers and shopkeeps of their colonies yeah, something else was going on. But when you look at the timing of 1776, the warm independence in the United States breaks out. And 1789, there's the French Revolution. What happened was those ideals that the French spent so much money supporting, and after they beat, they encouraged the Americans to beat their British rivals. Right. They had like victory tours. They would, these guys get super popular in salons and all that. I love some of the stories. I believe it's of them trying to bring Tom Paine, give me liberty or give me death. The most outspoken. He wrote Common Sense, which was just classic American language, just like the Sunshine Patriot. These are the times that try men's souls and blah, 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 blah. Really believed it. And he also ate with his hands and his elbows on the table. And he really was a rustic. Franklin pretended to be a rustic in order to play into the French aristocracy's belief about Americans. He like would wear a coonskin cap and all that when he was one of the wealthiest people in the United States. So it was was bullshit on all sides. But the thing is they published, they translated these American works on freedom and passed them out to their own people who were reading them. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds good. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Fuck these aristocrats. And also there, the, there was disease and Paris stunk Mm -hmm. and, Actually, King Louis the Sixteenth was right before the French Revolution was realizing that London, compared to compared to Paris, was a lot better run, had cleaner water, less disease, didn't smell like fecal matter and this matter <laughs> everywhere. And of course, the French had decamped for Versailles, mm. and where they were partying it up. Versailles, great idea. Let's get all the aristocracy that might side with foreign powers. Get them literally partying at my house getting a go to me i'd go where sign me up i'd like to go to that party I oh mean, have you ever been have you been to versailles before oh, it's beautiful it's beautiful I've oh had... you get there and you go oh of course they stabbed everybody well, look at this place is still great wow can you where's the cake and, and what kicked it off in 1789 it was like 1788 the king was meeting with his ministers going we've got to have infrastructure week we've got to <laughs> we've got to update the sewers we've got to get lighting here we've got because these people and then there was a cl- there was climate and it wasn't climate change in the classical sense, but there was a climactic event. There was a massive heat wave in France, and there had been let's call it Ferguson, Missouri style, like police brutality against people that were speaking out and trying to complain about the the price of things and mm-hmm. the smell of feces everywhere and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And that got stepped on by the gendarmerie, and the summer of 1789 was like ultra hot it killed you know a bunch of the wheat stock and it drove the price of bread up hence the apocryphal marie antoinette story let them eat cake because they didn't have bread because it was so expensive but it was like 95 degrees at night in paris and july 14th of 1789 they got rough with a bunch of protesters and the people snapped and they tore the gendarmes literally limb from limb kicked their heads down the street and shit got real in Paris. But if you look at that whole thing, it was like the, the French paid for these ideas in the Americas because they got beaten off the plains of Abraham in Canada. And so they, they huge French Canadian population still there to this day, but mm-hmm. their empire got kicked off. And so they kept harassing their British com- competitors 
by stoking the Americans. And it worked so well, we started a new country with mm. a bunch of ideas that we got from them and a bit from us. And then those ideas were so powerful that the French people used them and said, yeah, now let's kill you. <laughs> we don't have to go far. We're already at home. Yeah, And exactly. we can, you may be French too, but yeah. fuck you, we're gonna kill you. We're good. <laughs> so Amazing. And, and the French Revolution got out of hand. They had to rein that in. These aren't just our ideas. Um, I like to think that the documents and the ideals that, the documents that express these ideals are like amazingly powerful in the fact that they haven't needed super constant updating. They've got amendments. There is case law. There is the judicial system. But even I think if you read Jefferson correctly, he would have thought it was ridiculous that we hadn't had major up uprisings in 225 years. But anyways, going back to like freedom of speech and the right to pursue the property and happiness and all that, they said these, we hold these truths to be self-evident and which means they're, they're a universal declaration. And when the French revolution came around, it was the universal declaration. Everyone should have the right to this. Mm -hmm. If you look at the conflict that we're having here of, of late, there's a lot of people that don't like that because slavery apparently is awesome if you don't have to do the work and just <laughs> stuff just shows up. So to this day, people still, there are some people who still like slavery and still like autocracy. And we, we, <laughs> and they want to own telecommunications networks. They want to own politicians. They want to control things. And whether it's they use, whether it's they use religion or, or commerce or, various forms of technology, we've come in the last few years to a real inflection point. Now, I think you're talking some about how these digital networks work, like this Twitter network that a lot of us use to communicate, because it's handy, man, you just, you, to publish yourself oh, wow. instantaneously around the world. No one's ever been able to do that. For a lot of the American ideals to get out there and to get in like French society, French aristocrats had to pay publishers a lot of money to get that out there. This is why it was like an operation. But the thing that's been wild on Twitter the last, last few years is some schmuck in a condo like me can just start talking mm -hmm. about intelligence stuff and everyone's, oh, let's listen to that. And that was something that is just technologically not possible. And it's not a surprise that there's been a lot of conflict over who says what, who listens to what, and... You've got a big picture of Elon Musk un unmasked there. Elon is not from here. He uh, he doesn't seem to share a lot of values that uh, that are classical values of freedom. He's somewhere between a, a rodeo clown and an autocrat. And uh, I guess he's, he's in charge of this technology platform. And he's funded by a lot of foreign entities. All his money really is foreign money. The, the money that bought Twitter and turned it into a private company, Saudi money was Chinese money. I don't know if there's any American money in his purchase of Twitter. And so there might be some Rupert Murdoch, as we'll disclose a little later on, but even that's a really American money. This man, his foreign entity, has taken over the town square, as he called it. He called it the town square, and it probably has operated as the town square. And now he's taking it upon himself to decide who can speak at the town square. Can Eric Garland come up and speak live at 8 o'clock at night on Thursday night in my town square? Apparently you can't, Eric, and apparently I can't, even though we've been doing it for the last five years or so. Now, Tucker Carlson... Well, this is why I want it to be part of the post office, because <laughs> this is why I'm like, okay, if this is that important and it's not just some guy's plaything, which I think there's a lot to be said to that argument, that it's not just the stockholder's plaything. It does have this power. It does have the ability to shape opinion. We know from all the stuff that went down with Facebook that we really didn't understand prior to... Trump being elected by a great surprise that, oh my God, these social media platforms are different. Um, by the way, we were all being, we were being manipulated through paper newspapers. We were being manipulated through TV networks as oh, well, God. but this was just a lot more personal. And when this surprise of, wait a minute, a bunch of people in middle America voted for this jackass from Queens mm -hmm. and over the pantsuit lately. Wait, what happened there? And then we, then all these foreign spies started running all over the place. And guys like me are like, <clears throat> those are spies. And this was a spy operation in part. Then it's like, then we start learning about Cambridge Analytica. We start learning about, wait a minute, they took all these, pro this profile of us as individuals, mapped out who we talked to, that we gave everybody this information about us. 
And we didn't really ask if there were any laws in place that would constrain the use of that on our kids, on our parents, on us or anything. And it got, they started playing with that toy in the mid 2000s and started getting better at it. And then next thing you know, people, people in Alabama is, I sure that fella from Queens, that big mobster talking guy from New York City is like, wait, when, the, when did this become a thing? And then we started looking at it and it's, we don't have, like with most technologies, we start by the innovation of it and we get to the rules after. I'm glad you went right. here because AI for me is one of those tools where we're, we're now getting the consumer versions of AI being handed to us and they're remarkable. It's incredible what these, this technology does. It's terrifying to anyone who spends a lot of time on it. You can see how dangerous it is to, to society in every which way, yet it's being like universally forced down our throats in every platform known to man right now, no matter the technology platform you're used to using, it's now using AI to do things for you. It's all happened in a nanosecond. Now, in my mind, this technology has probably existed a little bit before the consumer version arrived here in the United States. And it wouldn't surprise me if that attack in 2016 on American democracy that involved Twitter, that involved Facebook, was also run by artificial intelligence. The only they had it, we didn't. You and I and a, a motley crew of other citizens were putting up a brave fight in the early days of all of this in 2016, 2017 and onwards, fighting against a machine that is probably the most awesome technology man has ever invented and was able to elect someone like Donald Trump through manipulation of social media and data and what have you. And it's only gotten better over the years. And now it's not only gotten better over the years, it now it, the owners of that technology now own the platform. They now own the town square where they can run that technology and determine exactly who speaks and who can't speak, whose ideas are valuable and whose ideas aren't valuable and whether people in America should really have free speech or not? Is it the machine who's choosing who speaks? Is it Elon Musk who's choosing who speaks? Who is ultimately determining what is valid and what isn't valid? And in a world where you've got so much propaganda, and there is so much of it, are we just going to get drowned out by artificial intelligence made propaganda that the motley crew of you and me are just going to be lone voices in the wilderness while 99% of what is out there becomes artificially intelligence driven content? This may be about you and me personally right now, because, hey, we're upset that we can't get narrative on the air. But the truth of it is, this is much bigger than us. This is about freedom of speech. This is about whether we, as individuals, have a right to speak out, to tell people our views, to learn things about society and about the world and the news that we want to share with people, as journalists have done for centuries, and being told that now that we cannot do that. He is not God. He is not even American. He should not be determining whether Tucker Carlson gets an 8 p.m. vehicle on Twitter versus narrative getting a t a ten an, an 8 p.m. vehicle on narrative. That's not his decision. And yet here he is emboldening himself as a king of the town square, telling everybody who is allowed to speak and who isn't allowed to speak. And he has no right to do that. And he might seem like a nice guy to some people. He might be like a smart guy. Who knows? but he certainly is not the arbiter of truth or the arbiter of speech in America. So do you want to take this from like a media, media in America history perspective or a technology policy? We can go your, anywhere. Your choice. I, got, I got tons of things to go through about this tonight, but you go and you take it wherever you want to take it. Okay, let's disabuse ourselves of the notion that any political speech has, has been untouched by malign forces or subject to any standards of purity. But let's look particularly at the history of the media and American politics. And anytime I hear the any call to the rosy good old days of when these political communications were free, open, and high-minded, mm -hmm. did you see what the early American, like in the first few presidential elections of the United States, what was the role of the media? Guys like Hamilton and Jefferson started newspapers to call each other terrible things, and they would hide under anonymous profiles. Franklin was especially good at that. He had all sorts of pseudonyms. He had he had sock accounts. Ben Franklin had sock accounts. He did. And these guys. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. yeah that's oh, Bonham Richard. And he, oh, he had, look up his history as he was a printer. He was a media guy. He control. he was a spy master. He was the first postmaster general. He controlled the flow of information. That was his, that was what he really did. It's almost like he was kind of America's, the first, the first, the founding fathers 
were hyper attentive to intelligence. George Washington is one of the most important intelligence presidents we ever had and, and took it the most seriously. But so did, you know, guy who was never in the cabinet specifically, but was a diplomat, right? Was overseas, Ben Franklin. And yeah, no, Franklin, like when he's in Pennsylvania, yeah, he would write under pseudonyms. So these guys slandered the crap out of each other. And then you get the Hearst Foundation is based on these newspapers that are out in the pioneer West. It's only like about the 20th century when you have certain corporations, we start putting some laws in. You can only own so many. You can only own one television network in the same area. But those things were working on a technology of broadcast of mm -hmm. we're going to send a signal and anyone physically close enough can pick it up, which went on until the 1980s or 90s in the United States, right? Mm -hmm. Broadcasting. We just cast it out broadly. It was only the 20th century when we started putting, you know, some rules around it, like the fairness doctrine. Wait a minute. This is based on physical principles and not private ownership. And legally, nobody owns those frequencies, but the government decides who gets which frequency. If we're all, if we all share this, then there can't be one angle on things. But before that, people use these newspapers to lie about each other, to slander each other, dirty politics. And it's really oh, yeah. only in the radio and television age when we started trying to play fair and support democracy in that way. And then Fox it's News and Cable. A, this has been the game that people have been playing forever. It's been about news. It's been about ideas. It's been about sharing those ideas. It's been about information. There's been foreign influence up the wazoo in all of this forever. It's just social media was different social media allowed everybody to have a voice and it allowed them to create the other side the adversaries the foreign nations to create avatars of themselves that were in the thousands in the hundreds of thousands pretending to be americans pretending to have opinions about certain things endorsing donald trump retweeting donald trump liking donald trump it, it created a mirage for all of us believing that there was such a groundswell of support for Donald Trump that it actually created the groundswell. And that is oftentimes how things happen in these political operations. But it's so new to us, we haven't even had a chance to even recognize what has happened to us since 2016. And the, the pace of their attack continues at such a great pace. And we're seeing it now with Elon Musk and his urgency to kick narrative off the platform to have this alliance with Rupert Murdoch, which we'll go to in a bit with Tucker Carlson suddenly appearing on the network on Twitter to great endorsement. I don't know if you saw the announcement from from Elon Musk when he put out this information the first time about Tucker. It's stunning how he is not only endorsing what is a really controversial figure who was just discovered by a court to have lied to the American people repeatedly about the January the 6th, about the elections and who won the elections, lying to them bold-facedly about everything regarding those elections and the voter machine fraud and all of that. He created this incredible lie and was part of this team that perpetuated that lie. That was the reason that Fox News got a $787 million bill. And then here comes Elon Musk, supposedly now entitled by some by someone, God knows whom, to become the new arbiter of who gets to be heard on social media. And this man doesn't only put up a, a little note saying, hey, well, Tucker Carlson, we don't have a deal, he says, by the way. He says, there's no deal with Tucker Carlson. But he'll give Tucker Carlson all this plate airtime, and he'll be subject to the same rules as you and I, supposedly, only we're not allowed on the network. He cancels narrative. The week afterwards, he comes out, with Tucker Carlson's little promo video, which he retweets to his millions and millions of viewers, and then tells them that you know, he hopes some of the left-leaning voices out there will also join his new subscription service and broadcast live after just having kicked us off. And I'm not, I don't consider us left-leaning at all, by the way. I consider us very independent. So for me to see him say those words, he's in indicating to me that we won't be part of that, I don't think. I don't think you and I are going to be invited to join his subscription services when they are allowed back on. It'll be hand-picked voices picked by the same people who created the alt-left, the sort of this new burgeoning alt-left of these nonsensical, supposedly leftists, supposedly liberal, supposedly smart people that we hear opine on, on podcasts and on MSNBC all the time. Zev, Elon's got facilities in Xinjiang province.
I know. Where they like chop people up for parts. He's not a nice guy. He yeah, does business with the car with the Mexican cartels down there. He's not. He's not a good guy. Like his his self driving cars drive into a whole lot of people. Yeah, he's 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 not a great paragon of democracy or morality. And I got to tell you though, I I find the, the idea that Tucker Carlson gets thrown off of broadcast TV and ends up basically in our old position there that's his part of his bonus package was my old suv or something like yeah. he gets to drive it with a bit of the rust on it it's it's, it's not deal he's, between musk yeah. and murdoch and we'll explain to everyone exactly how that was done there's that picture i don't have it here tonight but there's that photograph of the two of them at the world cup in qatar a few weeks ago butting it up as the dominion trial was about to take off as my show spy murdoch was about to be launched sure they're not fans of ours i don't expect elon musk and and Rupert Murdoch to be fans of narrative, but that's not the point of how about having these, these kind of social media platforms. The point is to allow everyone to talk. That's the point. And, and not to act as censors, not to act as, as rulers of what can be heard and what can't be heard. They're creating a state propaganda machine, not for the American state, by the way, for the Chinese and Israeli and Russian state. And that's okay. basically All right. what we're getting to. All right, we got to do some technology history there, though. Okay. Okay. Every time there's a new communication technology of the modern sort, people constantly make these very optimistic forecasts that they're going to be used for free education and world peace. Mm. And they always get used for warfare and pornography. Yeah. And every, like, the thought, either, there were forecasts back when the telegraph mm. emerged. There, there were forecasts by experts and these technological philosoph philosophers who are like, Look, we'll be able, these diplomats will not be obscured by the fog of war. It's, yeah, but no, you can use these to communicate tactical troop transports too. Radio, you know what they predicted? World peace. And also now you get onto, we're only going to have four or five languages left on earth because everyone can speak to each other. So we're all going to talk and it's going to be great. Mm -hmm. And it's not, and, but you know what else you can do with radio is that you can communicate bombing targets right. and you can run radio propaganda. Then you start cinema, television. And who gets their hands on that stuff first? The Nazis, the Soviets, and what do they do with it? They create these just satanic algorithms. Lenny Riefen, I don't know if you ever studied Lenny Riefenstahl's films. No. And whatnot. No. I Maybe. mean, I she was an incredible, <laughs> Hitler's, Hitler's filmmaker influenced cinema for a generation. She mm. came up with just brilliant techniques of cinema shots from an up lane. There were ways to make Hitler look more, more powerful and persuasive than he really was. And she used media technology for that. And then after that, we're like, all right, we gotta, when we see crap like that, we gotta stomp down on it. Cause that shit is dangerous. Everybody starts out when there's a new technology is there's no regulation around it. Just like there wasn't with cars and opiates and cocaine putting people put cocaine in kids cough syrup stuff like mm -hmm. that we start out technology is in a a wild west and there's not regulation and the regulation to create some safe rules for society come after and so we like got our arms around that with mass media and social media is fundamentally different and it's true like when when foreign powers were like sneaking in money to pay people to say certain stuff, or those social media platforms were global, which is really cool because some of us got to talk to our friends in other countries for free, whereas it used to be incredibly expensive. We now can have people in mold. Oh, and we want freedom of speech. So whoever you want to represent yourself as, and if you think about a lot of the discussion about trans people wanting, hey, don't tell me what to call myself. And I think that's a very humane angle on that. But that also applies in terms of your rule set to Moldovans sitting over in Moldova pretending that they're angry black people in Ferguson, Missouri. And they're not. And we, it's shit. What do we do? Do we force people to say exactly who they are? Do we make them give a thumbprint, a blood sample to get on here? That's the work of legislators. It's really messy. So I'm, I'm, I get it. I get, I think, the, I get that there's a world of com of complication around social media. I get that, but I think what we've seen here is a weaponization of this medium right from the very beginning, and America was attacked in a very brutal way, and it led to the most difficult presidency of American history. It led to I cannot believe CNN had Donald Trump on it, especially in the way they had him on last night. 
it's astounding to me that no one has learned the lessons of 2016. And we are going to head right into the same challenges again. Only now Twitter isn't free. The one platform that was free before is now owned by a crazy megalomaniac cartel partnering mogul. And we're going to head into another conflict in 24 where Joe Biden and the Biden crime family are going to be, they're going to seem like the most vicious criminal people in the world to most people because of the propaganda efforts of China and Russia and Israel against American people. And it's all going to be propagated by Tucker Carlson and Elon Musk on Twitter at a rate that is so exhaustive and you know, hundreds of millions of human beings can combat that, what's coming at us. And we are, again, at the same point we were in 2016, 2015, where we were like, that man can't possibly become a president, and he might, again, become president, just because of this onslaught of this machine that they're about to, to fire at America. We think the war is done, and it's not even started. There's been a great presidency in Joe Biden's administration. They've done a lot of good cleanup, but there is a second attack coming. And clearly, as you look at what Elon Musk is doing with Twitter and what, what Trump is preparing in his campaign and what the Republicans are doing in their oversight committees, where they've yesterday had a full-on presentation of all the Biden crime family laundering of money from China and how corrupt the Biden family is, which we know completely inaccurate reflection of what the real facts are. But uh, un unsupported by the record. Supported um, by the record. Hey, they don't care. They don't care. They're going to put out the slides. They're going to put out the clips. And they'll, and in, on, on CNN, of all people, of all networks, which no one really watches, admittedly, but still, having not learned the lesson of Jeff Zucker in 2016, now parades Donald Trump in front of a home crowd of his own picked, hand-picked audience to sit in front of him in an hour-long town hall with Caitlin Collins, of all people, at 8 o'clock at night, just delivering a bunch of propaganda. He's well, not even I mean, the candidate. Okay. He's not even the nominee. He's not even like... He's... Wait, hold on. He's, he filed to be a candidate. Like, yes, he's a like candidate. Right after... One of many. I've not well, seen town halls given to anybody else. Have you seen any? Oh, no. I ain't running interference from CNN. That, that was yeah. crazy. I was like... And I still... I, look, I may understand the history of the Telegraph and stuff like that, but I don't get what CNN just did. And Caitlin Collins, of course, got her start working for Tucker Carlson. There's, I don't agree that we're in the same vulnerable position that we were before. I, I think we're at this place where we've learned that wait, there's something up with these technologies. We're learning why we lost the ability to talk to our uncles and our dads and our friends from high school. We're learning why not everybody online is who they say they are. In fact, there was no, we didn't know what the hell Cambridge Analytica was in 2014. We didn't know it was possible. And we do now. Yeah. And do we have, and I definitely, I want to lay out, it is not just America under attack. It is Canada been under attack, Britain, France, Nigeria, Sierra Leone, South Africa, everywhere Brazil, you name has it. been under attack. I, and, but don't, if you're hoping for Canada to, or anyone else, the strength of the Chinese invasion of Canada has been so tremendous. This is a, and I live up here, I can tell you, it is a Chinese operated environment we live in now. It's not the same environment that it was before. And for better or for worse, they have decided to hitch their, their carriage to the Chinese horse. And that's what's been happening here in Canada. It's very disturbing when you watch what's going on. It's very disturbing to think about America as being the only country that can defend Canada, really, and the only country that has any defense agreements with Canada, and that China is so emboldened on the, in Canada and right on the American border. And yet the attacks on the American society are continuing. The attacks on American democracy are continuing. I, I'd love to be optimistic and to say to everyone, hey, it's now easy and you can all be, and be having spent the last seven years covering this intense war and fighting this intense information battle. I don't see us nearing the end of this thing. We are in the middle of a giant, uh, historic battle of the ages between two massive superpowers. And we are on the losing end still right now. Because if we were on the winning end, we would not still be trying to recapture the territory that we've lost. And the recapture the territory that we've lost, it means the entire Republican Party would be actually pro-American and not pro-Russia. You would not have Donald Trump on TV last night being pro-Russia in the war of Ukraine. He would be pro-America in the war in Ukraine. He would not be, you'd not have this entire 25% of the base still thinking that this man, Donald Trump, should be the leader of this country. 
That would not be the case if we had won this war. We have not won this war. We are we were deeply attacked and we are deeply divided and they still have a lot of territory in the American mindset. And we need to capture that back. And we're not gonna capture it back by saying, this isn't happening, it is happening. And they are very powerful and they have a lot of nations on their side and they're doing very bad things to America on a regular basis. That doesn't mean we don't have a chance of winning, we might. We have a great president, we have the American ideals, and we have an incredible armed forces. There's a lot we can do, but we do not have control of the media. We don't have control of social media. We don't have control of the major corporations. We're, in, we're a weakened America fighting against a very emboldened China alliance. And, and that's where we are. That's just the nature of the, of the battle we're in. Now, we shouldn't give up, of course not, but to put up our feet and rest on our laurels and say, hey, let's give Donald Trump another chance is insane. It's insane, this man is a criminal. He's been proven to be a criminal. He should have no time on any TV network. And people who are giving him time on TV network or people who are giving him airtime of any sort, even the fact that Joe Biden is accepting the fact that he's gonna be running against Donald Trump is ridiculous. This man is a criminal. He, he cre created an opportunity yeah. for the death of millions of people and he's getting away with it. There's some new stuff going on. Like this guy, George Santos, right? Is coming out. And uh, did you check out that, that indictment? 13 counts? Hey, that, I got to applaud the DOJ for doing all the work they've been doing. It's incredible that they've been going at this. It's amazing that they, George Santos, who we early on identified as a potential spy for Israel, is, is actually being charged for, that's an incredible indictment of money laundering. That was insane. Insane. We just, we have not held politicians to account for all this, all the tomfoolery with money. There are thousands of state, local, municipal, and national candidates that have their money out of order that do not follow the law on this and we because we don't want to have I mean, look like they're, we're getting political retribution against one party or another our law enforcement has been pretty gentle on politicians and their money way too easy on it and it's a lot of bad things have come from that we could go on to the bribes of the supreme court it's not very good but so grand jury emerges in the Eastern District of New York and they are just not playing patty cake. They come out of the gate with 13 felonies on this guy. Yeah, but it's the, one guy, the it's not enough. It's too late. The whole thing is too, I get it. I think the DOJ is doing a great work and I think they finally are getting a lot of the stuff that we need to get indicted and indicted. But this, the war, the war front, the actual battle for American minds is still not one. You can see it in the approval ratings of Joe Biden, who by all accounts has been a terrific president and will continue to be an amazing president. But hes you can see it in the division in the country. You can see it in that town hall yesterday where you had these, it's CNN of all places, giving this guy, this dictator, this guy who wants to destroy democracy, wants to be a dictator, bringing all his followers into a town hall and letting him give an hour primetime address the day after he is found and, guilty and, and, and of, they've of done abusing Rudy a woman. Giuliani, Rick Sant Bill Bo Bill Barr, Santorum. Yeah, mm. these guys hire a lot of douchebags and give them a lot of and this was nuts. Is it is this the end of America? I don't know if you looked up the civil the actual civil war where we shot at each other. That one was pretty bad, right? <laughs> We've been it may through be, a lot. More. But there's no way you can say it can't be, because it may be the end of America, but it's also the America. It's still a very powerful nation and should be able to figure this out. It just seems to me that people are either so confused by the fog of war or they're upset by the events of the last few years that they can't step back and see what's happened to them, that we've not been able to really address where we've been. We're still at war. We still have this, if you look at Ukraine, it's a very similar example. Ukraine was at war for many years before it was an actual war. They were, they'd build these information mirages, disinformation attacks on Ukraine for a very long time before the actual war took place. The only difference between Ukraine and the United States is that Ukraine could still rely on the United States to supply the weapons. We can't rely on anybody to supply the weapons. We're it. We're the last standing ground of, of freedom in the world. We're the last standing ground of democracy in the world. We're the last standing ground for freedom of speech, freedom of association. We are the last ones. And I think it was Ronald Reagan who said that. This is the very last stand. And so we can't take this kind of thing and say, hey, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that Elon Musk doesn't want narrative on the air, wants to put Tucker Carlson on the air. These things matter a lot. 
And it's not because you or me or anybody else. It's because freedom of speech matters. The truth matters in America. These are the fundamental principles that this country was raised on. This country was born on. And I've got two things I can go to here, and I'm running out of time. So you can tell me which one you want to hear. But I can talk to you about the McGonagall affair, which is stunning in its own right because there's evidence out there now showing that the FBI, the supervising agent in charge of counterintelligence, was already working for Deripaska as early as 2015, which means throughout 2015, 2016, 2017, 2018, and beyond, he's been on Deripaska's payroll, meaning that entire investigation, that entire Mueller, Coney, Comey, whatever You don't it was. want your head of counterintelligence in New York City to not be working for the United States. Yeah, he was working bad. directly for Deripaska to recover Deripaska's diamond. Very nice diamond, by the way. Do you want to see what Deripaska's diamond looks like? This is Deripaska's diamond, he, uh, amongst many other things it, that he did. I can show you the charts. It's a pretty one. It's a nice diamond. There's a lot to talk about McGonagall. I'm not going to go there because I do want to talk about, about what happened with, with, and this is a lot. I'm sorry to spring this in here. I'm just going to spring it in here anyhow. About what happened with Musk and Murdoch in the last while. I went back and I looked at all the attacks that were done on you and me personally, the attacks on narrative since 2019. Does it start in third grade? Because no. it got <laughs> I started that early. early. I just took the big ones out. I just took the big ones out. And boy, oh boy, is it kind of an interesting revelation when you look at it because I can start and people might turn off because they don't want me talking about this. Feel free. Yeah, it's okay. I, this is the reality of what happened to me, the reality of what happened to, to Eric. We were attacked from at least 2019. That was the first time I was attacked by Stephanie Koff, aka Lincoln's Bible, in what was a catch and kill operation about my Epstein reporting. Now, it subsequently has turned out that Stephanie Koff, aka Lincoln's Bible, has a long and interesting career with Fox, not only with Fox, but with the Chernin group, which is related to Fox, and he was a director on Murdoch's News Corp and 20th Century Fox. So that's Stephanie over there who created a lot of these attacks on us and who built a lot of these careers up, which supposedly, I won't mention names, but I could, Alison Gill, Greg Oliar, all these people who have been built up by Stephanie as this new alternative left. Guess who she worked for? Rupert Murdoch. Louise Mensch. She did the reputational attack on you and on me. Mine was in 2020. Yeah, I, we also slightly different in association with it, but nevertheless, mine in 2020, guess who she worked for? News Corp. She only resigned News Corp in 2017. Then I get another reputational attack because I had a guy on my show named Chuck Johnson who I interviewed on my show. Suddenly that becomes a criminal event that excommunicates me from everybody, according to Stephanie Koff, Alison Gill and company. And it's what? Because I interviewed somebody because I had a guest on my show who was an eyewitness to events in 2016. This is not a crime, people. By the way, you can't accuse someone of platforming someone if they don't have a platform. I have a show. You can accuse Elon Musk of platforming Chuck Johnson because he's the one who's actually platformed Chuck Johnson lately. Why isn't he getting the same attacks that I got? All of you people who knew, who were so happy to attack me throughout that whole period. So let's just put it clearly. Louise Mensch, Stephanie Koff, Alison Gill, that whole crowd is a Murdoch-created enterprise. And you might think that's, a, that's maybe they're associated, but they're not directly involved. But the evidence is in front of you. These guys have been attacking us personally and narrative directly in terms of a business sense for many years now, five, six years now. And then it all builds up to, we launched in March of 2023, I launched Spy Murdoch, a show that was going to reveal a lot about Rupert Murdoch and his history with intelligence agencies. Soon afterwards, Musk and Murdoch are meeting on the sidelines of the Qatar World Cup, having fries and whatever sandwiches they were having while watching the World Cup taking place. And then comes May, and suddenly narrative gets kicked off Twitter, replaced by, guess what? Tucker Carlson Live. This is the state of events that have happened, and they're all connected to Rupert Murdoch, who, by the way, just recently lost a major lawsuit for lying about the elections, for fraudulently accusing the Dominion Voting Machines company of fraudulently counting the votes in 2020. This is- And Smartmatic is up next. And, yeah, and Smartmatic, yeah. there's a lot of them. And so this framework of this new left-leaning pod, podcasters that I'm sure Elon Musk is gonna have on Twitter is just another act of Rupert I'm not Murdoch sure Louise Mensch is, is considered a leftist at this point, but, but you know, neither, neither Stephanie, <laughs> neither any of these people. They're just machines that are talking on behalf of Rupert Murdoch. Now, hey, you may want Rupert Murdoch's people on Twitter, and you deserve the right to have Rupert Murdoch's people on Twitter. 
but it shouldn't come at the expense of everybody else's right to be on Twitter. And what we're getting is the foxization, if you will, that's a term, of Twitter. Elon Musk is basically handing the ropes over to the most powerful social media network in, in America in terms of influence, and he's giving it to the guy who basically sold us down the river with, the, with Donald Trump in 2016, and now with- uh, Who sold us down the river? Rupert Murdoch. Rupert Murdoch is not, has been running a propaganda machine for Israel, for Russia, for China. I don't know, whoever you want to, whatever that consortium yeah, he's of not countries. A, he's, not a, he's not American, so I haven't really, ex- he's, he's not American. a bit of a dick, so I haven't expected that much from him, and I've been pretty Im- impressed of how right I was. People are so, asking, what did Stephanie do for Fox just on the chat here? You see in that top corner there, I don't know if you can read it, but this is from her own biography, which now seems very comfortable putting out. She never used to be very comfortable with being out there publicly. But you can read there underlined in the red when she worked for 20th Century Fox, when she worked for FX, when she worked for the Chernin Group. Chernin, of course, Peter Chernin, he was a director, basically Rupert Murdoch's number two, working for the 20th Century Fox, which Murdoch owned until recently. Louise and Stephanie Cox are basically two of the same kind of people are running operations against legitimate news organizations, legitimate journalists like you and me doing legitimate I am a, work. Don't call me a, a journalist. journalist. I am a journalist. I am not a journalist. You're an intelligence analyst. And to have this and to have this broad acceptance of this stuff, because they run such such vast operations that they're able to run reputational attacks on you and me and others is is a staggering. But they've taken our ability to earn a living away. They've taken our ability to speak away. And this is happening in the United States of America, where you're supposed to have a freedom of speech, where you're supposed to be able to speak your mind about things, where you're supposed to be able to choose your political parties and political views, and you're supposed to be able to speak your mind. And these guys, and I'm not sure any of them are really American, are out there trying to destroy these, this fundamental value that is American. And to me, that's serious. Yes, it's happening to me personally, so I'm taking it very personally. But I'm also t- saying, because I'm not sure I can do this anymore. I've obviously had, I'm at my breaking point. I do not think I can continue doing any more of this because the attacks are so painful and they're so hurtful time and time again when they come at you and they destroy everything you're working towards and they're destroying everything that you're trying to build. And so what's the point of keep, keeping on going? Because the might and power of the billionaire from Australia. What's the point of What's, what's the, the point, point of keeping on going? Yeah, what's the point? Because- I, I've got a fridge that has the pay stubs of my grandfathers who fought in the Revolutionary War and the Civil War. My grandfather who fought in the Civil War gave a leg. When we've all been willing at all times to give a life, I have nowhere else to move. So I'm dying in this war, whatever it is. So that's yeah, why I'm dying right going. now. I'm dying right now. I, because honestly, this is too, there's too much. It's impossible to live your life when you've got organized intelligence operations running against individuals who are doing the, their rights as Americans. These are intelligence operations that are being so, run so, against individual Americans by billionaires like Rupert Murdoch and Elon Musk. So that's why we need these networks to be run by the Postal Service, started <laughs> by Benjamin Franklin, ironically enough. And we need actual counterintelligence that, that sorts these things out. I And I think there needs to be also some update to defamation law and that's gonna that's gonna come state by state they're not federal laws in the united states they're different in canada they're different in the united kingdom different in south africa they're different in all sorts of places uh, i think as somebody whose whose harassment for speech in this area started way before june 2019 i woke up i wake up from doing my thread and glenn greenwald is on the spot mm-hmm. the next morning I, the notion of, of what defamation is very specific. And we're a country that has free speech and I think it has to be specific. However, it really hasn't caught up with a lot of the realities here. As I said, technology, it usually doesn't. So I think we need we need the feds running the networks so that they're not owned by the Saudis, because I think we all agree that the Saudis and the Chinese probably shouldn't own our our telecommunications networks in this country. And then, you know, our social, like, media uh, networks, the, our social media networks should not be in the hands of foreign billionaires. It is unacceptable. They, they should maybe not, they should maybe not exist at all. I'd rather that than then they continue to exist in this form where they're just going to become propaganda machines. If that's what Elon Musk is turning Twitter into, a giant Fox News propaganda machine that is going to be a monster compared to, to the original Fox, can you imagine the scale of this thing? This is going to be Fox on steroids. 
by the time he's done. And if that's what he's turning it into, then they should tear it down. They should tear down, they should expel him from the country. What is he still doing here? Why is he running propaganda? Elon Musk, who, what is Rupert Murdoch still doing here? They're running well, Murdoch has a citizenship. operations. <laughs> They're, he's they're a citizen not, but they're running intelligence operations for foreign countries against american yes, that's citizens. 18, 18 us code 951 and so yeah we, what are they doing here we should what are they doing here oh. they're up to no good i think we've established that again i've got that i've got a sign off for tonight but i'm i still i once once louis de joy's out of the post office i think twitter needs to be run by the post office i agree with you wholeheartedly eric garland thank you for being here tonight i'm bye. glad to be here okay bye-bye one day, you'll tell the story of autocrats, crooks, and kings who came for our freedom. A story of citizens who stood up to tyranny and won. The people prevailed and renewed an old vow to a more perfect union. And that was just the beginning. The story continues. Narrative. Where truth lives. Every minute of Narrative's reporting, every story that we break is made possible by our patrons. You too can become a patron by joining at patreon.com forward slash narrative, where truth lives. Every minute of Narrative's reporting, every story that we break is made possible by our patrons. You too can become a patron by joining at patreon.com forward slash narrative, where truth lives.